It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> You're gonna go off into a whole thing, aren't you? I'm not. I'm not gonna go off into a whole thing. You can. But then you don't have thumbs. Yeah. So what? <laughs> Neither do cats. <laughs> Welcome back to episode two of Cursed or Blurst. Last time we uh, reviewed Pinocchio and determined that it was... Cursed. Cursed. <laughs> yes. Although I'm having a slightly tough time with that decision because this week we watched something that made us both very uneasy. I think we, we started too high by saying that Pinocchio is cursed and it just got so much worse. This is a really good start to the podcast as a series. <laughs> so what are we talking about? Well, this week we watched classic 1980s film Return to Oz by Disney. They can't all be winners. The unofficial sequel to MGM's Wizard of Oz starring Judy Garland. Judy Garland was very much not in this movie. No, this was an unofficial sequel, um, and the people who did want it were Disney, who owned the rights to the Oz books at the time. Interesting. So this is how that movie got made. They acquired the rights to the books, and they were like, let's mush a bunch of books together and make a sequel. And they <laughs> thought, none of this content is good enough on its own for a movie. <laughs> Let's just grab bag from a bunch of them. Yeah. At the end of the film, it says, inspired by um, L. Frank Baum's books, Ozma of Oz and The Marvelous Land of Oz. However, after doing some research, I found out it was from two other books. One, The TikTok of Oz. <laughs> and the fourth book was not written by L. Frank Baum. It was called The Wisconsin Death Trap. What? <laughs> It's about how bleak late 1800s Midwest America could be. Oh my god! So that's what we're kind of going... That's what we're that's, dealing that's with what here. we're pitching for when making this movie. Often when I'm writing a children's film, I think, let's talk about how bleak the Midwest was. I, I think it needed to be done. I think it was too idealized in the first Wizard of Oz film. <laughs> There was one whole farmhouse and a tornado. <laughs> really made me want to move to Kansas. So on that note, we should start off uh, where the film starts, which is uh, late 1800s Kansas. There's a lot to unpack, and this is probably one to do chronologically, because it's going to sound too messed up if we start just randomly throwing plot points into our review. It's going to sound messed up anyway, so we may as well do it in order. <laughs> and I also want to have this so that anyone listening can get the entire plot from us, a safe pair of hands, and not feel the need to go back and watch this movie. No one should watch this movie. Just to reiterate, I chose this movie because I had watched it as a child, and I couldn't remember many details from it apart from one scene. And I remember being a little bit spooked out, but I thought, you know what I got it confused with, Shannon? What? The Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite fun. I was like, well, Return to Odds kind of is kind of creepy, but it's got some good songs. It's the Wiz that's it was... got some good songs. 
Return to Oz has no songs. There's no songs in Return to Oz. nothing that isn't creepy. Nope. So on that note, the film starts six months after the events of The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy is trying to rebuild her life with her aunt and uncle in Kansas in their farmhouse, which has been partially destroyed by the tornado. But Dorothy's having problems with insomnia. She keeps on telling her family about all these fantastical people and munchkins and scarecrows she met in Oz, and they're like, mmm, she sounds hysterical. I'm already in a very weird mood. Dorothy sounding hysterical, telling her relatives about everything that's happened, is is very out of step with the ending of the movie, the first movie, mm. where Dorothy wakes up and the farmhouse has not been destroyed because the tornado, I think, was not real. Oh, yeah. Um, or the tornado just didn't hit it. It's a very she, strong house. She wakes up in the farmhouse yeah. thinking everything was a dream. Right off the bat, we've got problems. Dorothy is also de-aged at least a decade. At least, yes. Um, I think there's a more accurate Dorothy. Anyway, the, her aunt is very concerned that she is crazy. So they decide to uh, maybe take her to a psychiatric hospital. But not before we're introduced to a very, very dear beloved character, Belina the chicken. <laughs> who is a chicken who is not laying eggs, just adding to the problems of the family. And um, Dorothy is trying to... I guess give her a pep talk about laying eggs when she comes across a key. Yeah. And she's telling Belina to lay eggs or she's going to be killed and eaten. <laughs> That's the tone. You might be wondering why all this fuss about a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Belina's a key figure in this Belina plot. is potentially the heart of this movie. The sad, shriveled heart. So off we go to the psychiatric hospital, which is this Victorian-era style nightmare where they decide to treat Dorothy with electroshock therapy. I'm so furious about this. <laughs> this is, it's... You're going to go off into a whole thing, aren't you, Shannon? I'm not, I'm not going to go off into a whole thing. You can. It's just ahistorical to have a child treated with ECT in 1899. It's just not what would have happened. Why? Like, is it just like, oh, we're going to have a spooky asylum, which first, why was that what they decided to go with in this children's movie? Spooky <laughs> asylum. And we're just going to go one flew over the cuckoo's nest with the Wizard of Oz? Right. Just zap her brain. They do go, they do almost zap her brain. There's a storm and she has helped out of the hospital by a little blonde girl who says that there are other damaged patients in the cellar. Who are just moaning and you can hear them in the background of the scenes and people are screaming. Yeah, wailing out in pain. At one point Dorothy says to the nurse, did I just hear screaming? And the nurse says, no. (laughs) (laughs) What's very weird is that this feels like the opening to like a gritty reboot or... Like, a sequel set significantly later with Dorothy as an adult. Mm. Something, like, you might see as, like, a gothic reboot of The Wizard of Oz. But it's fully meant to be a children's film. Yeah. It just decided to open with an asylum that's nominally Victorian but has 1930s technology. I'm not over that. (laughs) But it's okay because she escapes. And this is where the fun really starts. It's all lighthearted from here on out. She escapes with the girl. The girl, we presume to have drowned in a big 
flood mm-hmm. that seems to be happening that drags Dorothy out to sea where she finds refuge in a crate, which is also inhabited by Belina the chicken, who is there for some reason instead of at their Kansas farm. Because Belina doesn't go with her to the asylum. No, I should also point out at this stage, Toto is a character in this movie, but... He doesn't, he's there for the first five minutes and the last five minutes. Yeah, Toto tries to follow her to the asylum and they don't let him. And then we don't see him again until the end of the movie. But who cares? We have Belina the chicken. We have Belina the infuriating chicken. She's like, she can talk. (laughs) Do you hate Belina? I hate Belina. (laughs) (laughs) She's the first adult, if I can call her that. I think I can. To treat so. Dorothy with some respect in this film. And for that, she has to be commended. <laughs> I think I really hate when it's just like a regular chicken. Like, it's not an animated chicken. And there's just someone's voice dubbed over it. I find mm. that deeply unsettling. In a movie so full of puppets, you're right. Why is it just a, a regular chicken? And why isn't it Toto? While they're staying true to the four books, one including Wisconsin Death Trap, so... <laughs> You gotta stick to the canon of Wisconsin Death Trap. Yeah, Wisconsin was a death trap. (laughs) So they arrive via the crate back into Oz, and it's the Oz we all know and love. It's a technicolor dreamland full of song, laughter, and love. Except it isn't. It's more bleak than Wisconsin. (laughs) It's just a desert with a couple of rocks in. Yeah, we actually spend like a full like 30 seconds watching watching some pond water drain into the sand. (laughs) And then it's okay because she finds a whimsical tree that grows lunch pails instead of apples. It's the most whimsical the movie gets. Oh yeah, it's all downhill from here. It is. The, the lunch pail tree is the highlight, and even that takes a sinister turn. Yes, there are some rocks operating the spies in the area. Rocks that can grow faces out of, I think, plasticine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then report back to a mysterious figure called the Gnome King. Don't worry, we'll get back to him. We will return to the Gnome King. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they're being watched, but they decide to make their way to the Emerald City because things have fallen into a state of disrepair. The yellow brick road is ramshackle. There are potholes and everything. (laughs) Someone's not paying their taxes in Oz. Yeah, we don't know how long she's been gone. Well, I don't know, actually. Has it been six months or is it like Narnia time where like longer... I don't think they ever confirm that. It seems like it should be Narnia time because it's not like they imply that the road was destroyed by something. It just seems to be badly maintained. Yes. So maybe it is like Narnia time. None of her friends there age because they're not human. So Hmm. we have no way of knowing how long it's been. It's been a long time as I think, because the road is so bad. Um, they, they follow the road into the Emerald City, by the way. It takes them, like, five minutes. From from the spot of the original house. So we know it's yeah, the same... Yeah, we're talking Munchkin Land. We know it's the same route she took in the first movie, because she finds her old house, gets on the yellow brick road right outside the door, and is immediately at the Emerald City, <laughs> having to pass through none of the trials that was the entire previous movie. And I think it's also... I think the songs took up a lot of their journey as well. Like, it's maybe it's the same distance, but 
when you're stopping for a musical number every time you encounter somebody, yeah, it's gonna take a while. So it's like, oh, I want to go like in a straight like just down the street real quick. Oh, the lollipop league is trying to talk to me. <laughs> okay, we've got a choreographed dance to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Dorothy was just very inefficient in the first movie, but now we have no time for whimsy. This is Return to Oz. It's serious business. She needs to go and find a scarecrow in the Emerald City who's a king of Oz and just see what's up. Because something's up. Something's up in Oz. So off she goes with Belina to the Emerald City, which has just turned to pure and utter shit. It looks like the bomb has gone off. Um, There's decapitated statues of humans... Scattered everywhere, there's like a, a very uh, concerning uh, ring of dancing women who have been turned to stone with their heads chopped off. I wonder why. We'll find out. Crayoned onto a nearby stone wall is Beware the Wheelers. And this is the scene that is the only scene I remember from my childhood. The Wheelers. Do you want to take... Should I take the wheel on this one, Helen? I'm not sure I can. I'm st- I never saw this movie as a kid. So I'm still... Yeah, you lost your wheel of virginity. <laughs> I'm, still... I'm sorry I said that with my own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still incredibly traumatized by the encounter with the wheelers. Mm. They're horrible. Someone was paid to do this. Several people, because there was costuming and makeup involved. They're people with... Very long legs and very long arms who go around on all fours, but the bottom of their arms and legs where their feet and hands should be is just wheels. Mm-hmm. And they're they're dressed a little bit like they're clowns at a rave. Yeah, they're a bit cyberpunk, aren't they? Yeah, they're a little bit cyberpunk, and they've got these, like, hellish black masks that they, some <laughs> they of, do. Some of them wear, but not all of them. And they go around on all fours and are just, they tell Dorothy that she stole the lunch pail from the lunch pail tree and they're very upset about it. Mm-hmm. And I think they're trying to eat her. It's unclear. They said they were going to tear her into shreds. And then throw her back into the, the sand. What did they call it? The, the death? The Deadly Desert. Desert. Yeah. Which sounds like it belongs in a much more fun Lemony Snicket novel. Right. But it doesn't. It belongs in this terrible, terrible film. The Deadly Desert, if you touch the sand, you yourself turn to sand, which... That's, you know, if you've already been torn to shreds, what's a match if you get thrown in the desert? Like, if I get torn to shreds, I'm not going to feel the pain of turning to sand. Yeah. Is turning into sand painful? This is the sort of question we have to ask ourselves watching this film. We had no fun. (laughs) This was an utterly joyless film. And it seems like the wheelers might be, like, fun and madcap, but they were just... It was was a little bit like they belonged in a Mad Max film. Yeah, they'd be good in Mad Max, wouldn't they? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was truly horrific to watch them chase a little girl through a ruined city full of decapitated statues. Mm-hmm. I will say this for the wheelers, though. If I had to have some kind of hellish body modification, having wheels for hands would not be the end of the world. It looked like a really fun way to move around. But then you don't have thumbs! Yeah, so what? <laughs> Neither do cats. <laughs> Or chickens. <laughs> or chickens. And as we find out, they don't need thumbs. They can look after themselves. They can look after themselves without thumbs. I would have loved to have been an extra wheeler in that cast. 
It would have been so fun. You've got the best costume, you've got wheels for hands, you can skate up and down, making crazy noises. And just traumatizing children for life. Imagine how many times you would have face planted, though, in that costume. That's why they have the masks. They're yeah. protective for the ads. <laughs> <laughs> they do look a little bit just like painted hockey masks. Like yeah. someone's put some plasticine on a hockey mask. In Canada, they wear masks for hockey. You're talking about ice I'm talking, hockey. I'm talking about frosted hockey. I'm talking about cold hockey. <laughs> Real hockey. Okay, okay. I agree with you, but okay. <laughs> um, so Dorothy is hiding from the wheelers when she encounters a very charming character called the TikTok, who is the entire army of all of Oz. He is the army. The it's starting to become clear how Oz was conquered. Yeah. The Scarecrow, knowing that he was at risk of some kind of coup, charged TikTok with protecting Oz and staying in one place, waiting for Dorothy to return. Which suggests that she's been asleep for many years. Yeah, if it's been many years. This has something to do with the key that Dorothy got. The timeline is very confusing. Mm. Because Dorothy got the key that they then imply the Scarecrow sent to her. Somehow. Mm. But if it's Narnia time, it doesn't really... Like, it could have been years between the key being sent and her actually getting there. And Scarecrow, I don't think he can die. I don't think he's properly alive in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the characters are not alive in this movie, and that's what makes them so fun. Um, So, TikTok, actually that's one of his lines, isn't it? That he, he... enjoys lifelessness. He enjoys a state of lifelessness. I was just thinking of that and I thought it was some horrible nightmare and not no. actually in the movie. This is from the movie that we watched the other night. Um, he, he's, a, he's a robot. We've not said that yet. He's a robot. He's kind of um, a, t- a tin man kind of guy. Um, he needs to be wound up. But if the, if the tin man was a wind up copper kettle. Yes. He's perfectly spherical. <laughs> he's very loud. And only has one combat move, which is to swing around like a hammer throw kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dorothy winds up his action key, his thought key, and his speaking key. He needs all three of them to be turned, else things go wrong. I assume to comic effect. I think that must have been the intention. TikTok helps her to defeat all of the wheelers. Even though he's the slowest moving thing you've ever seen and can only swing things around, they all get close enough to him that he can swing them and knock them out. Yeah. He captures one of them and forces him to explain the situation. And he very vaguely says this wheeler that they should go and talk to someone called Princess Mombi to find out what has happened to the Scarecrow. So Dorothy says, sure, she sounds great. I'll talk to Princess Mommy. Which is just a horrific mistake. So they go into the castle. Princess Mommy is a witch who is wearing a beautiful outfit. She's got this really pointy shoulder thing that I thought, I'd love that. I'm not making myself like, seem aesthetic or a good person. <laughs> like I want wheels for hand. I want her crazy shoulder pads. <laughs> I want crazy to be an Oz villain. Lethal shoulder pads <laughs> and hand wheels. She doesn't have hand wheels, she has regular hands. Um, 
and she seems trustworthy at first. She agrees to take Dorothy to find out more about the Scarecrow. Yeah. But instead takes her into a hall of heads. There are several glass cabinets full of the heads of beautiful women who are all alive and whispering things. They're fully sentient. Yeah. And I think as long as they're in the cabinets, they have their own personalities. I, I, I very clearly remember sitting beside you watching this movie and whispering, please don't take off your head. And then she immediately <laughs> does. <laughs> she can take off her head and replace it with any of the other women's heads in a glass cabinet. Was this some sort of like horrible ploy for marketing a toy to children? Oh god, I hope not. Like, look, you can replace her head. I don't think, and someone can correct me if they're going to listen to this, <laughs> I don't think Mombi from the books can take her head off. I think she's just an old witch. I have not read that many Wizard of Oz books. I have read the Wikipedia synopsis <laughs> of two other ones, the ones that feed into this. And this is from Ozma of Oz. Mombi is a witch who can't remove her head. Well, she probably can. She's a witch. That's by the by. She removes her head and tells Dorothy that she's young now, but she will be pretty when she's older, so is going to keep her in the tower, wait for her to age, and then steal her head. It's like Coraline with none of the charm. (laughs) That moment where the other mother is saying, like, I'm just going to take your eyes now, and it's horrible and chilling, but has, like, you know, some sort of emotional impact on you, whereas this is just a depressing nightmare. Yeah. So she gets thrown into the tower, kind of Rapunzel style, with TikTok and Belina. No, TikTok's not there. TikTok's TikTok not has there. run out. He wound down <laughs> in the throne room. And he's just there with Mombi's electric guitar that she was oh, playing yeah. when he when Mombi was playing okay, it wasn't the electric guitar, it was more like a zither. It was kind, kind of like a thing. It seems really rad. Like Apart a- from being an evil head witch, it <laughs> seems really cool. Yeah, she's very dedicated to her art. Um yeah, a TikTok wound down in the throne room and is just there, not able to move for the rest of the scene. Correct. You're right. Yeah. So then she goes into the well, she's thrown into the tower, but she's um, not there alone. We meet the Chad- worst character, Shannon's favorite character, <laughs> Jack Pumpkinhead, who is a like a scarecrow with a pumpkin head, and he looks like Jack Skellington. He's a horrible bargain basement Jack Skellington. <laughs> he's lanky, and he's he's meant to be this charming comic relief character, but he's got a big problem. Oh. Where he basically okay, here's the deal. Um, he was created by Ozma, who is being trapped in a mirror by Mombi, um, and is unable to communicate with people. She's trapped. Um, Ozma is the rightful ruler of Oz. Right. Yeah. We don't know when she was trapped in the mirror because we know that Scarecrow was the king of Oz for a bit. So. Yeah. I don't know how he's implicated in this whole Ozma thing. I'm assuming the books go deeper into the Ozma lore. They do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Ozma's trapped, um, and Jack, who knows her as his mum, <sighs> uh, wants another mum. So he asks Dorothy if she'll be his mum, 
And she smiles and nods. In the most horrific way possible. She doesn't say anything. She just gives this, like, full, violent, toothy <laughs> grin and just nods. This is the only time Dorothy smiles. Yeah, it is! <laughs> and he says, I know you're not my real mom, but can I call you mom anyway? And that's when she smiles and grins, and it's horrific. So why is this pumpkin scarecrow alive, you ask? Well, don't worry. Uh, it is revealed that he was brought to life by Ozma via the Powder of Life, which is still in Mombi's possession in head cabinet number 31. With her original head. And other bits. It's like one of those drawers where you just keep like useful shit. Yeah. It's got useful stuff, some like screws, some batteries, <laughs> some condoms. <laughs> Couple of elastic bands. Powder of life. And her <laughs> original head. Yeah. I don't know why this bothered me, but why was it in cabinet 31 and not cabinet 1 if it was her original head? I think she has body image issues. But what does that I ha- think she's the 31st the most attractive woman she knows. <laughs> oh, you think they're ranked by attractiveness? Yeah, I think so. You're going to go for number 1 head, aren't you? Mm, Trying to make an impression. I see it. You don't want to wear it out. Yeah. If you wear number one too much, it's going to get weathered. Mm-hmm. So you've got to switch it up by some of the mid-level heads most of the time. It's like any piece of jewellery, any trinket. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with Mombi. I'm just trying to get in her <laughs> psyche. <laughs> You're <laughs> going to say... One psyche. You're going to say in her head. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was going <laughs> to. Um, this gives Dorothy a really great idea to escape. So she uses... Jack's long, agile fingers to pick the lock to her room, which he could have done beforehand. Yeah, he just kind of, like, the the door is kind of a grate, and he just kind of reaches out and And unlocks it. He does does have quite long arms, but I think she could have done it. And I think Jack could have done it when he was locked in there the first time. Yeah. I'm deeply sad that Jack continued to be a part of this story after the scene. Yeah, sadly, he he, he still continues um, his arc, I mean, which is not really an arc. He's clearly meant to be the equivalent of the Scarecrow, just like TikTok is the equivalent of the Tin Man. But I, I just feel that he lacks any of the charms of the Scarecrow. From the first movie. The Scarecrow from this movie, also a horrific nightmare, just to be clear. Can I just interject here? <laughs> the Scarecrow in this movie is played by an actor called Justin Case. <laughs> Justin Case. <laughs> uh, okay, so she escapes and she goes back to the head cabinet room, retrieves mm-hmm. the powder, the powder after taking a key from Mombi's wrist as she slept. In a headless state. Yes, Mombi sleeps headless. So Mombi wakes up, freaks out that Dorothy has stolen the key and stolen the powder. And as Dorothy is escaping the headroom, they all start screaming. Just shrill screams. And one of them's like, Dorothy, girl! (laughs) And I don't know why I didn't remember this from watching the movie as a child. Maybe I watched up until the wheelers and then just thought, I'm not going to bother with this. And then just decided to stop because as a child you were more intelligent than we both were as adults. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
As a child, I didn't have alcohol to see me through the movie. That's true. We did drink quite a lot watching this movie. We did. It was necessary. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we still remember the plot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's still quite a lot of plot to go. So we'll we'll leave with Dorothy. We'll leave the, the, th- the headroom. I think the most horrifying part of the headroom is that headless mombie chases her. Yeah. Just staggering down the hallway, headless, trying to grab her. She doesn't even like her own head enough to sleep with her on. Yeah. Poor Mombi. Anyway, um, so Dorothy gets back to the tower in the nick of time. Meanwhile, TikTok and Jack have been constructing a beautiful flying machine mm. slash moose slash person. Um, <laughs> this is a sofa with um wings made of I like like fans or something. They're like palm branches. Palm branches. From a potted po- like tree. The head of a moose. It's called a gump, but it's like a purple moose. Yeah. <laughs> it was the uh, the head that was like mounted on the wall. So it's the severed head that was just in yeah. Yep. They take they take the plaque down with it and just like stick it on top of it's very <laughs> it's very gross. They attach it to the sofa, and Dorothy sprinkles the powder of life onto the sofa. It is awakened. It is called the Gump. It is very confused and a little bit disgusted at at its own existence. It's embarrassed in case any other Gumps see it in the flesh. It really just invites a lot of horrible thoughts about its its cursed existence. The Gump, yeah. As a moose sofa palm tree rope hybrid. The Gump is an L. Frank Baum creation, not a Disney creation, and has a bit of a checkered history in later books. Doesn't get on with Ozma. She has him disassembled. Oh my god. And put his, puts his head back on the wall. <laughs> and doesn't like it when other people talk to him. I hate to say it, but I think Ozma's right. <laughs> <laughs> I stand with Ozma. I stand with Ozma. The Gump is creepy. The Gump flies out of the window... And they escape. They fly over the deadly desert, much to, you know, the uh, disappointment of an enraged Mombi, who sends a pack of wheelers out in pursuit, but they stumble across a desert and forget that it will kill them, and one of them dies. Well, it gets just turned into sand. Um, and this whole desert journey takes way too long. It's meant to be this whimsical flight through the air that I think maybe Disney wanted to be a ride. Yeah, knowing Disney. And, and it, it was just, it was terrible. And here's why. It's because Jack talks a lot. And he talks a lot about how he's happy that Dorothy's his mum. Yeah. And Dorothy is played by an actress who can't be older than 12. No. Is probably closer to 10. Um, and Jack has the voice of an adult man. Yeah. And it's, it's truly horrific. At one point, Jack falls off of the gump. And we got really excited because we thought he might die, but he didn't. Yeah, I was rooting for him to just hit the, the desert and vaporize into sand. So I would never have to hear him say, I'm so glad you're my mom. (laughs) <laughs> ever again they do all crash land though this rocky plain where a rock face emerges from the cliff and is really adamant that there should be no chickens 
Yes, he's very anti-chicken. Sometimes you'll hear a rock in this movie be like, Chicken? <laughs> and you're like, why? What's your problem with chicken? It does come up quite a lot. Mommy yeah. is also very mad about the chicken. She doesn't like the chicken. Yeah. She does threaten to eat the chicken, though. Yeah. More on that later. Um, the chicken discourse will come. <laughs> it'll, it'll hit It'll hit hard. Um... But yeah, the Rock is a servant of the Gnome King, the secondary villain, yeah, main villain, a villain. He's yeah. a villain of the piece, I think. I think so. He, but I kind of. His problem is that all of the emeralds come from the ground, and that's his domain because he is a rock. Yeah, he's a rock, and all of his subjects are rocks. So that's. Are the emeralds people? Are they like destroyed? Lord, please let that not be the case. He's talking about the emeralds from the Emerald City, and he's very disgruntled that they were extracted from the ground and used to build. This is city built out of emeralds. Built the whole the whole city, not like you could tell from yeah. this movie because it's not nothing is a color. <laughs> Everything is just beige. It's yeah. Um, yeah, there's a whole thing where he goes into a long monologue about how the emeralds were stolen from him unrightfully, and I'm kind of like, he's got a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now I'm wondering if the emeralds are, like, killed gnomes now. I, if they are, then I don't think the Gnome King is an antagonist. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say it. He's the hero of the piece. He is the victim of industrialism. Yep. Resource extraction. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so he swallows them up into the into the ground, into the the cave palace of the gnome king, mm-hmm. and he reveals himself to be this man-looking dude, but he's a rock. Yeah. Is there a better way to describe? He's the man-looking dude who is a rock. There's many better ways to describe <laughs> that. I'm sorry. He he starts as just like a face in the stone and then slowly gets more humanoid but always stays gray and kind of jagged. Yeah. It must have taken hours in makeup to do. But it's okay because he's on screen for a long time. Mm-hmm. You see, Dorothy wants the scarecrow back and she thinks this is where she will find him. For some reason. Yeah. Someone must Mom have told, told her. her. Mom be told her. So he, the Gnome King, says, you know what? I have the Scarecrow. I've turned him into an ornament, but I'm going to play a game with all of you to allow you to retrieve him. So they have to go into the cave one by one, and they have three chances at each. this game each. So when they go in on their own... There are many ornaments in the cave, and they have to figure out which ornament is actually the scarecrow. And when they touch it, they have to say Oz. And if they fail on their third attempt, they also get turned into an ornament. And then the other has to go in following them to see if they can retrieve both their friend and also the scarecrow. And can I just say that when you don't see what he means by ornaments for quite some time, because Dorothy goes in last, and you only see what he means by that. But it's this whole big cave set, and then they go through the tunnel to this room of ornaments, and I was kind of assuming it was, like, crystals or that it was, like, things turned to stone. It looks 
a little bit like an antique store. An antique shop, you're right. Like an antique shop you'd find just wandering around any sort of downtown. It doesn't even look like they're in a cave anymore. No. It's just like little dusty trinkets on like tables. Like fabrics. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Little clockwork figures and yeah. But you're right in that we don't get to see it for a while because the gump goes in first. I don't know why they're letting the gump go anywhere. <laughs> he's so... He's a sofa. He's a, he's a loose sofa. He doesn't have a hand. So he's just going to be bashing into things. He might kill the scarecrow by crashing into a plate. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, one by one, the extra characters fail. Meanwhile, Felina the chicken is hiding in Jack's pumpkin head because this is a very anti-chicken environment. Yeah, Belina's been hiding in Jack's head for quite some time. Jack also fails and also gets turned into an ornament. And you have to assume that Belina is included in this. Is a smaller ornament inside that ornament? Yeah. I don't know why I dislike this so much out of all the things that happen in the movie, but I think it's very dumb to be like, I've turned them into ornaments and it's just like an antique shop full of little ceramic cats. Like, I don't understand... I think they. I think I know that they blew their budget on the Gnome King and were like, yeah. we can't make cool stone statues, <laughs> so we're just going to go to a charity shop and pick up, like, as many weird plates as we can and just stack them in a room. I know why they blew their budget. This is a fun fact. <laughs> you have to tell me. And this is, like, the exact correct point in the movie to be raising this. Okay. <laughs> Disney... I guess own the rights to the Wizard of Oz books. It was an unofficial sequel. They did not own the rights to some of the marketing from the original MGM film with Judy Garland. And what was unique to the film? The ruby slippers. The ruby slippers. Because they're silver in the book. In the book. So MGM changed them to be ruby. Now, we've not mentioned the ruby slippers yet, but they do indeed feature quite heavily in this part of the plot. (laughs) (laughs) The Gnome King lifts up his stone uh, cloak to reveal he's wearing the beautiful ruby slippers, and they look great on him. They look excellent, and they're maybe a size 46 um, (laughs) on his enormous stone feet that he didn't have earlier in the scene because he was just a face in the rock and has, like, slowly been becoming more 3D. Mm. He uses them to try and get Dorothy to betray her friends by going home immediately to the safety that is the Wisconsin death trap. <laughs> um, and she says no, and that's, okay, whatever. Like, we don't see the shoes, like, really anymore. Like, the shoes are there for, for her to be um, tempted, and that's it. And Disney paid so much money for the rights to the, the ruby slippers. No. Yep. That's what they blew their budget on. That's what a lot of their budget went to. Wow. Why? That's a fun, so that's a fun fact for you right there. <laughs> <laughs> and they also had, like, a lot of... There were issues with the effects. They had to have a lot of people helping out, including George Lucas was called in to help them. Now, that was a fun name to see on the credits. That was a very fun name to see on the credits. It was a little bit like, what have you become? <laughs> 
And it performed very poorly in the box office. Yeah, as as it was deserved to. So that's how the ruby slippers come into play, and that's where a lot of money went. And that's why instead of a very cool cave full of living statues, we got a antique shop full of trinkets. I see. It's Dorothy's turn to enter the antique shop. And with the help of TikTok, she figures out that all of the green items are citizens of Oz. So one by one, she finds the green ornaments, touches them, and says Oz, and they all reanimate. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Scarecrow comes back to life, played by Justin Case. Um, And he's the classic Scarecrow we know and love. He's horrific. He's horrific. He's not really... I, I'm struggling to remember what the scarecrow looked like in the original movie. He had a human face. He had a like a face with makeup on it, yeah. right? Yeah. This they went with a rubber mask. It was like a bag with eyes and a mouth painted onto it. And, and he doesn't open his mouth. I think he doesn't open his mouth. He doesn't blink. It's a, a mask. Yeah. You see no human features. <laughs> He's horrific. I hate him very much. The rightful king of Oz, though. He's the rightful king of Oz. But he's not rightful. No, because Ozma's the rightful queen of Oz. I feel like Oz is a very complicated political situation. It doesn't get explained in this movie, but I think from what I've seen on Wikipedia, the books do go into it quite some. Yeah, Oz politics is a whole thing in that series. There's, like, districts. Yeah. And... The, sort of governing bodies within the districts. I'm making it sound like the Hunger Games, and it may as well be. This comes up in the novel version of Wicked, which yeah. we spoke about after the movie, because the novel version of Wicked makes me feel as much despair as this movie did. <laughs> and I know the novel version is the original version, but it's so joyless, and I don't <laughs> care if it's a bestseller. <laughs> Gregory Maguire, if that's his name. If you're listening, Gregory. If you're listening. <laughs> I know you are. I hate your book. It makes me upset. Can I just like, intervene with a fun fact before continuing with the plot? To, to anyone who's uh, familiar with Wicked the Musical, oh, and the book, um, Wicked Witch of the West is called Elphaba in that. Shannon, you know this fact already because I told you. You told me. Uh, they called it Elphaba. As a tribute to the Oz original author, L. Frank Baum, L. Faba, L. Frank Baum, L. Faba. Isn't that cool? I just, I can't be excited about anything about Wicked. (laughs) That's a lie. The musical is very good. It doesn't share any features of the book plot, and that is its strength. But the book plot is very embroiled in Oz politics. Mm Mm-hmm. Which are numerous. Which are numerous, and there are just so many little, you're right, districts and countries. And it's like Westeros. It's like Westeros. It's the original Game of Thrones, guys. Oh, the extended I Oz universe. would kill to see a Game of Thrones Wizard of Oz. I'd kill for that. Oh my god. I'm not even kidding. Can you mind on, like, the cool, like, map thing at the beginning? But it's just wheelers. But it's wheelers. Skating around. And you follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> oh, cool. And the Emerald City all pops up like King's Landing. Oh, oh. my god. <laughs> oh my god. Munchkin House. 
Gillikin House. Don't ask me why I know what Oz works. Quadlings. Quadling House. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I, and there's multiple armies too. Yeah. There's the, the entire army that is ticked up. Yeah. There's in one of the books that this m- movie was based off, there's an entire, there's an all female army who are feminists. <laughs> And that's the joke. <laughs> uh, I don't recommend reading the book. Oh, I barely made it through reading the original Wizard of Oz, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. I read it in German for the first time, because I was trying to learn German in my undergraduate degree, and I was trying to read a book in it to like get some more vocabulary, and I was like, I know the plot to this. I'll read a children's book. Barely made it through. Yeah. Did not try any of the other ones. Well, no wonder. Although we could just forget this podcast and start a new one where we go through each of the Oz books, <laughs> become absolute experts in Oz lore. Then get rich making Game of Thrones but Wizard of Oz. Oh my god! You could yes. quit your PhD. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, I think they tried to avoid talking about a particularly horrific sequence. Which is when Mombi appears, she has travelled to the Gnome King's lair through a series of tunnels and her method of transport is a chariot pulled by wheelers who she whips. And it's exactly as awful as it sounds. Yeah. Potentially more so. She arrives at the lair and starts getting into an argument with the Gnome King about the Scarecrow and about Ozma and about how... Mombi allowed Dorothy to escape, but they don't get to continue their argument because... I don't know why. I think he just kind of gets frustrated that Dorothy has retrieved the scarecrow. He enters and starts trying to eat everybody. Yeah. He starts trying to eat Jack Pumpkinhead. And doesn't succeed, which is distressing. He doesn't succeed because the top bit of his pumpkin, the lid, falls off Mm -hmm. and out of... His head falls an egg laid by the one and only Belina. <laughs> Who was in the head the whole time. <laughs> and he has a massive freak out about how chickens are forbidden in his realm and how chickens and their eggs are poisonous to gnomes and he melts. Yep, because he's eaten an egg. Hey, another melting villain in Oz. Oh. Maybe this is just how you kill villains in Oz. You melt them. Everyone has a specific food intolerance. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a celiac in this universe and you eat bread, you melt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, he dies. And it all seems pretty... Good, because the next thing you know, from this horrible, hellish, fiery scene of destruction and falling rocks, we immediately cut to a big parade in a restored and reformed Emerald City. All of the ladies with their heads chopped off have been restored with their heads on. It's because Dorothy got the ruby slippers back. Mm. And she wished for Oz to be restored. That's how that happened. Yes. So the, you know, Disney blowing its budget on the ruby slippers was worth it because it saved Oz. Yeah, and the scene where they're all celebrating was quite charming. Was it? Yeah, there's there's colour, there was music, there was dance, there was jolty and celebration and much happiness by all. I don't, 
I don't know. They polished the TikTok man. <laughs> the Tin Man was there. The Tin Man was the there. The Cowardly Lion was there. The Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion have no lines in this movie. They're probably not allowed lines. The Scarecrow has like four lines. This is probably like another MGM thing. Yeah. They didn't <laughs> have the rights so they could be like, that's not the Tin Man. It's just a man made of tin. Yes. Even though the Scarecrow is there, everyone starts chanting for Dorothy to be the queen. Which is embarrassing for the Scarecrow, but also he did let Oz get taken over, so... Somehow. And then Dorothy says, no, Ozma is a rightful ruler. But how? Ah, yeah, Ozma's trapped in the mirror. And Dorothy is, I guess, the only one to be able to save her Mm -hmm. by putting her hand through the mirror and pulling Ozma... Through. And Ozma turns out to be the blonde girl from the beginning that we thought drowned in a lake. From the asylum. From the asylum who saved Dorothy. Why? She could have asked anyone to... Could anyone have pulled her out of the mirror? I think so. But I guess everyone was turned to stone. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of effort to try and go to a different world to find someone to pull you out of a mirror. Well, it's okay. Ozma goes through and she becomes a queen again. And Dorothy goes home pretty much immediately. Yeah, and sees Toto again. Yes. And they rebuild the house. They do not take her back to the hospital because the hospital has been burned down in a fire. Obviously, that's how things get burned down. What happened to those patients in the basement? Oh, they were already damaged. I feel like the film doesn't expect us to ask these questions, Shen, and I think they just died. Apart from the nurse who gets arrested, um, arrested and taken away. The nurse is um, also Mombi. Oh, yeah, it's the, the same, same actress. Head. Mombi's original head. Yeah. yeah. Mombi's also imprisoned. Oh, yeah. And paraded around. She's in a cage and, like, paraded through the street. Her magical powers have been stripped from her. Yeah, I don't really know how that happened, but... Will she be in prison for a long time because of all the beheading she did? Potentially. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know what the Oz justice system is. We could read the books and find out, because I'm sure... read them. Al Frank Baum has more than too much to say about it. <laughs> yeah... For a while at Disneyland Paris, there was a section of a canal boat ride inspired by the iteration of Oz in this movie. No. Yep. Why? A canal boat ride. What? In what? A storybook a... canal ride. I think it's now not a thing. I hope it's not a thing anymore. Lunch pail trees. Lunch pail trees. And that's charming little wheelers wheeling around. <laughs> Wheeling straight into your nightmares. I maintain that they would be great in a Mad Max film. Yeah. But not in this film. Maybe they do fit very well in with every other horrific thing in this film. Hmm. It's not like removing one of the elements would fix it. Oh, Mad Max with wheelers would be really fun. See, the thing is, there's lots of good content in this film that is, yeah, I was just saying appropriate for other franchises. Mm-hmm. Mad Max. Game of Thrones. Yeah, the... Nothing that a child should watch. No, even the beginning bit is, like, fine if you were doing some sort of dystopian reboot. Yeah. Which might have its own problems, but at least it would match the tone. Mm. Oh, the end, the ending. Ozma 
tells Dorothy she's gonna visit her in the human world through yeah. mirrors. And why Ozma? Ozma barely does anything. Yeah. What about any of the charming friends she's made? Like TikTok, the Gump. <laughs> her charming the friend, child. the Gump. Jack, Jack probably doesn't care about Dorothy anymore because his real mum's back. Oh yes, Ozma's his real mum, and then she birthed him. <laughs> Ozma, also played by a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon, I've got a question for you. Yes, Elise. So I don't think this film holds as a charming child's film. Does it hold as a horror movie? I don't think it does because I think the main thing about this film was that it's just joyless. Like, it, there isn't a single second that makes me feel happiness or excitement. Right. It's it's just... You did feel fear. I saw it in your face <laughs> and your posture. You were tense the whole time. I did feel tension, this is true. Um, I don't know that it works as a horror film, because I think it doesn't work as a film. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this on my commute today. So... Shannon and I recently went to see It Too, which was really funny and not very scary. And maybe it's because we're desensitized to children being eaten. I think the first movie just got that fear out of our system. Exactly. So It Too was like full of jumps and scares, but it wasn't scary. But it was an entertaining film. It was very funny. We had a good time. This is the reverse of that. Yeah. It's trying to be funny and charming and is consistently terrifying. Mm -hmm. Return to Oz is the the best horror movie I've seen all year. <laughs> I can't give it a distinction of being a good horror movie because I feel like I would have to feel emotionally connected to something that happened instead of just this, like, horrible blandness. Did you not care about Dorothy's trials and trips? What about Belina's trials and trips? <laughs> I hated every character. Hate is too strong of a word. I hated Jack. Mm, You hated the gump. And I hated the gump. (laughs) Everyone else I feel that I was neutral toward at best. I'm going to say I like the Gnome King. Yeah, the Gnome King I think stands out as my favorite character. Yeah. He tries to feed them liquid silver and they (laughs) drink it. And limestone pie. And limestone pie. And they do... You know that sort of movie trope where someone's, like, eating something and then the person who's fed it to them is like, that's made out of cockroaches or whatever, and then they, like, (laughs) slowly put it down? They did that, but with, like, molten silver. (laughs) And they kept on eating, I think. Yeah, Dorothy kept eating the limestone pie. (laughs) Yeah, Dorothy was the smartest character. Not very interesting. No, she wasn't very interesting. I think she's probably not very interesting in the Judy Garland one either. It's just that she sings. She's got a little more personality. That's true. I think all the characters in the original have more personality. And what was very interesting about this film is that they very clearly set up, you know, in the first one, Dorothy meets, um, I think it's a scarecrow she meets first, right? Yeah. And... She immediately knows that his prob the thing that is upsetting to him is that he has no brain. And he meets the Tin Man, and he always rusts, and he has no heart, mm. and the lion has no courage. And then those things get resolved 
In this one, she meets all these, like, messed up people, and nothing gets fixed. Sometimes they talk about their own lifelessness. Too much. At one point, when they're all being threatened by being, uh, to be turned into ornaments, Jack says to Dorothy, Dorothy, this will upset you most of all, because you're so used to being alive, and eating, and drinking, and sleeping, and playing. But the rest of them are lifeless, so it's okay. Yeah, they're they're used to being ornaments, so it's fine. The gump, I think, would rather be dead. Yeah, the he gump. Makes, he says he's like the Eeyore of this universe. <laughs> the gump is not having a good time, and yeah, it's very clear that like they've got they've set out these problems. Like TikTok can't wind himself up because he can't reach the little keys on the back on his back and the gump has lost his body and clearly wants it back he doesn't want to be a sofa he doesn't want to be a sofa anymore (laughs) because why would he be he's just nightmarish and i don't know what jack's deal is he's lost his mom he's lost his mom and the only thing that gets resolved is jack's thing and jack's the worst one and he doesn't seem to even be like super jazzed to get his real mom back yeah like it's so strange they have this sort of party at the end just like they do in the original wizard of oz where then the wizard gives the tin man a heart and the scarecrow a brain and the lion courage. He gives him a degree. He gives him a degree. Which is not the same thing. <laughs> Which is two people with four and a half degrees between us. <laughs> we can attest is not the same thing as having a brain. That half is very bold. <laughs> like a month or two into my PhD. I'm just that quick. But yeah, no. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay, on that note, before we wrap up. Do you have a favorite character? I if I have to pick a favorite character, I think I'm gonna go with the lunch pail tree. <laughs> lunch pail tree. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only thing in the movie that was colorful, interesting, and creative. <laughs> That's it. It was only the lunch pail tree. Yeah. I I I'm going to plump for the, for the Gnome King. I don't think he's the hero. I think he's an anti-hero. I'll be clear on that. I'm not supporting all of his methods, even though I understand his motives. Mm-hmm. I think I think liking the Gnome King is fair. I just yeah feel like the only thing in the movie that felt like it belonged in a sequel to The Wizard of Oz was the lunch pail tree. Yeah. Even though it felt a little bit more like it belonged in Alice in Wonderland, I was willing to be fine with it. Mm, yeah. It did feel more like that, didn't it? You know who would have been great in this? The Cheshire Cat. Mm. I love the Cheshire Cat. It would have livened it up. Yeah. Live in a voice of reason. <laughs> Oh, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's what the lunch pail tree reminded oh me of. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was exactly like Charlie and the so Chocolate Factory. So many superior franchises mentioned yeah. in this recording. Yeah. To the final question. <laughs> it's Return to Oz. <laughs> Mad Max Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> cursed or blessed? This is maybe the most cursed movie I've ever watched. More and I, cursed than Pinocchio. I once watched Birdemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this is much more cursed than Pinocchio. Pinocchio, I think, had some cohesion to it. Yeah. 
Pinocchio had moments that were lively. The animation was quite beautiful in Pinocchio. It was. We didn't give it credit in our review. No, we didn't give There's credit for very charming songs. <laughs> songs of, of two to three lines. Um, <laughs> and it didn't feel like... I didn't want to set any of the characters on fire in Pinocchio. No. Whereas I very much wanted to set fire to Jack Pumpkinhead. And let's be clear about this. Some of the some of the characters of Pinocchio are child catchers. <laughs> Jack is innocent in every way possible. Yeah. Um, but he's cursed. Yeah. I'm going to say that I agree with you. It's cursed as a child's film. Blast is a horror. <laughs> That's a hot take. Yep. I'm going to say it's cursed as a child's film. And I just... I can't see it as a horror film because I feel like it would have to be more interesting. Yeah. Like I feel as though the way when we describe the plot, it sounds quite whimsical and maybe like exciting. Yeah, but when we describe the plot, we're also including a scene where there are several decapitated, screaming, sentient heads, <laughs> which should have been scarier than it was, and not just like vaguely upsetting. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was... I think it was trying to be scary and just ended up being kind of nauseating. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it had me really tense. It did have me very tense as well. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what L. Frank Baum would have made of this. I think he would have loved it because I think he has terrible judgment. Though all of those other... Oz books. I think there's a reason they haven't been made into films individually. Mm. Or there isn't some sort of Oz TV series a la Game of Thrones. Oh, but... The possibility that there were. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think this is pretty firmly cursed. This Will is... we ever review a blessed or even blessed item? Stay tuned, I guess. Yeah. What are we reviewing next week? Ah, you know what? I'm feeling this 80s vibe. Mm-hmm. I want to watch something I'm neutral towards, a.k.a. kind of watched it as a kid but didn't fully pay attention. Okay. Never Ending Story. All right. I can get on board. I haven't seen Never Ending Story since I was about 12. Mm. So I, I think that I liked it when I was a kid. Maybe. It's one of those things that some people really love and some people found very creepy. Yeah, which um, is our zone. Exactly. And I remember it was on in the background when I was at a neighbor's house, but I wasn't paying attention because that was the day my neighbor taught me how to crack my knuckles. That's the only interaction I had with this, like, girl who lived next door for a while, really. Like, yeah. I, she always wanted me to, like, play around her house. And I did, and she taught me how to crack my knuckles. That's a, that's a perfect stage setting for... And I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> the never-ending knuckle crack. Do you know the song? <laughs> I do know the song. The song that you wouldn't know this because you haven't seen it, but it featured in the finale of season three of Stranger Things. Oh, yeah? The theme song to The NeverEnding Story. Oh, yeah. I think it might not necessarily be the theme song. I think it might just be a song. It's also a, called The Neverending Story. A song from The Neverending... Is it in the movie? Yeah, I think it is. Probably the credits. Yeah. 
It's a bop. It's a bop. It is a bop. I'm glad Stranger Things used it. Yeah. To good effect? Yes, yes. It was very wholesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> will Never Ending Story be wholesome? No. <laughs> You're calling it now cursed. No, I'm not saying it's cursed. I feel like it's going to be blessed. But who's to say? I'm going into it neutral. Yeah. And I'm not going to crack one single knuckle. <laughs> I feel like we've set the bar so low with Return to Oz. We're going to be happy with whatever we see. Yeah, whatever's happening next week has a significant advantage. (laughs) (laughs) At this stage, I'd be happy to watch Watership Down. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Cursed or Blessed. Please don't watch this movie. No. Watch Pinocchio. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Yeah, you can have fun watching Pinocchio. It might not even be that cursed. But this has affected me. So long, dear listeners.